is the Resilient Disciples podcast powered by Owana. I'm Ross. You know who you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. We're doing something a little bit different today than our typical conversation, but it is something that I think is so critical that we engage in the conversation as it's happening. And I'm just really humbled and honored that we are joined today by John Weaver. Hi, John. Hi, Ross. Thank you so much for having me, brother. Thanks for being here. Now, um, John is a humanitarian worker, a gospel worker who has a particular heart for the area of, of Afghanistan that we're going to talk about in great detail. But I want to be really clear up the front, at the front of this conversation, what this is and what this isn't. This conversation is going to be about prayer, about how we as the church are to respond to a crisis and how we can talk to our kids about it. This conversation is not going to be full of hot takes about an area of the world. There's a plenty of other spaces for that. This is not that space. Now, you are a humanitarian worker, as I said. You are an author. The book is Inside Afghanistan, which is actually was recently, you came out with a 20th year edition, which is very exciting. I would love to hear more about that. But your book is something that, you know, in preparing for this conversation, it became very clear that if I wanted to talk about this area of the world before anything that happened, you were the guy. And now the, your area of the world, for lack of a better term, has the church's attention. So for folks who haven't read the book, give some folks a bit, give our listeners a bit of the backstory. How did God capture your heart for this area of the world this, and this people group? Yeah, Ross, thanks. So in, in college and in graduate school, so in, in my, you know, my 20s, God's working in my heart about his call on my life and about his heart for Muslims, unreached people groups, 1040 window, this area mm -hmm. of North Africa, Central Asia and throughout Asia. And, and Afghanistan's kind of in the center of that. Every time I, we would have a prayer meeting or talk about the, the, the real spiritual needs of, of the world, often Afghanistan would come up to the top of the scene. And so God just put in my heart a love to want to work with Muslims, to share God's love with them, to serve them in word and deed. And the place that seemed to be like the last frontier, the most needy in terms of humanitarian needs and spiritual needs uh, was uh, uh, Afghanistan. And so jumping ahead in 1998, I moved to Central Asia. I was uh, involved in various ministries there. And so the time leading up to 9-11, I was living in the northern part of Afghanistan. It was a non-Taliban area. The Taliban were in control of most of the country in Afghanistan from 1996 up till 2001, up till September 11th. And I lived in the northern area. We were doing humanitarian projects. And so when 9-11 happened, so 20 years ago, 9-11 happens, Afghanistan comes to the top of the prayer chain right on the world scene. Everyone's got Afghanistan on their map now back in mm -hmm. the events of 9-11. People are praying and responding. Of course, the military is mobilized because of the events of 9-11. The media is mobilized as well. So long story short, Ross, they come to the northern part of Afghanistan because that was the only way they could get in the country because the mm -hmm. Taliban controlled everything else. And they found this American humanitarian aid worker. And so long story short, I was put on TV. I didn't mean for that to happen. That's just kind of what happened because oh, wow. I happened to be there. And uh, so I was actually asked to write a book. As you mentioned, it's called Inside Afghanistan, a mission of mercy to a war-torn people before 9-11 and beyond. And it's about 
how I, as an American relief worker, humanitarian aid worker, how God got me there, what was happening in the country, a little bit about the history of Afghanistan, a little bit about, you know, the culture and the dynamic of life there and the humanitarian relief that we were involved in and how I practiced my faith, how I lived out what it means to be a Christ follower in an area that is not necessarily, uh, you know, promoting that and, uh, spiritual ministry things that we were involved in. And so, as you mentioned, just a few months ago, now we're jumping ahead completely, but just a few months ago, I updated the book and relaunched the book as the 20th year edition, knowing that, not knowing what was going to happen, but knowing that September 11th, 2021, 20 years years later was going to come, knowing that at least for us who are Americans, our troops were going to be pulled out and knowing that Afghanistan would come back again to the top of the prayer chain, top of the world events. But none of us expected what has happened. It was actually, none of us expected this was going to be, you know, a complete Taliban takeover and go into complete chaos like it is. But that's a little bit about inside Afghanistan. We would promote the book now because it's a timely read. It's an encouraging, inspiring read. Here's Afghanistan again, the world scene. Here's mm-hmm. a book that you can read a little, learn a little bit more and be inspired and encouraged in your own faith and how to practically respond to crisis situations in ways that you could pray uh, as well. So the book is, yes, Inside Afghanistan. Well, it's a great read. Can't recommend it enough. People can learn more about it in the show notes below wherever you're listening to this podcast. And I want to just briefly point out um, just how grateful uh, I am for your ministry. You know, I think about uh, how wide the kingdom is sometimes. Mm. And I'm just grateful that folks like you are called into an environment like that because it just, it takes a special kind of relationship with the Lord to look at the, as you said, the most needy type of person. I'm misquoting you, but mm. you, to go into that level of darkness and wanting to bring God's light there uh, is just really powerful. You don't need to hear that from me, but I want to just make sure that I don't miss the opportunity to just thank you for what you do each and every day. Now, Russ, thank you. Thank thank you, brother, on that. I mean, it's all God's grace. I mean, it's his call. This is his kingdom. He's the sovereign ruler of all. And Jesus is worthy of every tribe, nation, kindred, and tongue. I mean, Jesus is not returned yet. He's not willing. He should perish. And at times he calls us as his, as salt and light to enter into those, uh, you know, opportunities to, to bring his kingdom into to, to meet practical needs. And, uh, you know, anyway, we could talk all day about yes, you we could. preaching to the choir, but go ahead. Yeah. Amen yeah. to that. John, you are someone who has, I don't think it's unfair to say you've lived quite a remarkable story, you know, and you were in your story 20 years ago when folks were leaving, you stayed in a region of the world that would, you, no one would have blamed you for leaving. Where does that come from? When you were a child, how, did God shape your heart for such a, for such a time as that? Because you, you are a resilient disciple. We call this podcast resilient disciples and you have lived that out to such a extreme degree. I would love to hear more about what that looked like as a kid. Well, Ross, thanks for the encouragement. Yeah. It was only by God's grace and for his glory, but yeah, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So uh, I was not brought up to be a resilient uh, disciple. Uh, And in fact, I come from a broken home. Uh, But yet in the midst of all that, there was so much that I learned from, yes, my parents, primarily my my mother about love and service and and sacrifice. And so 
long story short, I never really heard the gospel. Clear, I mean, a real clear gospel presentation until I was in high school. And okay. I remember it vividly. I was in the ninth grade at Stafford High School in Stafford, Virginia, and a friend named Tyler, who was a resilient disciple. He shared his faith with me. He invited me to a, a, an evangelistic event in our actually in our gymnasium sponsored by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And Ralph Bell shared a very clear John 316 gospel message. I thought, wow, this is an offer too good to refuse that God, yes, created me. I think I probably would have believed that. I believed in some God, but I didn't know God. But when I heard God loves me and Christ came to save me and the Holy Spirit can transform my life and I can have eternal life and a relationship with God and become a disciple of Christ. And that's when I I gave my life uh, to Christ. But I was I was a broken teenager, a rebellious teenager. I mean, there was a lot of issues that I had to work through. And so uh, some of the listeners might uh, know that uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, there's a college called Welch College. And in the end, the Lord spoke to me that I should go to uh, Welch College because I wanted to study the Bible. I wanted to have Mm. a little bit of a foundation because I really didn't have that. And um, so back to the heart of your question, coming from a broken home, I went from being the middle child to the first child because there was a time where my older brothers were gone. And I, I think part of the heart of your question is during the season of being with my mom as a single mother with two younger uh, siblings, I think I learned a little bit about resilience during that particular time and about taking risk and being a leader and, and going first and going the extra mile and sacrificing and things like that. But now jumping ahead, I'm at Welch College and that's where God in his mercy gave me some close relationships with some of the professors there that just invested and poured in me in prayer and discipleship and mentorship. There were some uh, other students in the student bodies, like some, I was a freshman and say some older, you know, uh, one brother's name is Jamie. I'm still in great contact with him, like very, very close friends. Oh, but that's good. Every day I was with him because we worked together. We did ministry together and he's just pouring into me and investing in me. And I think a lot of that then, as you guys have said, by God's grace, helped me to become a resilient disciple so that now we're jumping ahead into this story in Afghanistan when I'm faced with the opportunity, would you like to stay here and serve these people that you've come to love and you believe God's called you to be in this region? To me, it was a no-brainer. Of course, here I am. I have one life, and let me do it to, to serve for the glory of God. And so all of that resilience and desire to to want to be salt and light, even in a difficult situation, uh, kind of rose up within me. Mm-hmm. And um, and of course, that was just God's call for my life at that particular at that particular time. Yeah. Well, I mm, I love that. And I love particularly that you have a relationship still with one of your brothers in college. And what I hear in that, too, is not just the sort of adverse circumstances of your childhood, but the way in which the presence we would call that the presence of a loving, caring adult through your mom, through professors uh, really had made a difference. And that, you know, when I think about the person who's listening to this, who spends their time drawing pictures next to a five-year-old, mm-hmm. that that counts, that that yeah. kind of investment counts yes. because, uh, you never know when that five-year-old is going to go. Uh, I, w- I was going to say halfway around the world, but really it's all the way around the world, uh, to, for the sake of the gospel. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm blown away by your story. So, I want to bring people into this current moment because yes, you 
uh, re-released inside Afghanistan for the purposes of what seemed to be a brewing situation. But to I believe what you said earlier was no one expected this sort of chaotic scene. What stood out to me as far as just sort of a very outside perspective, you know, I was in fifth grade when 9-11 happened, that uh, the church's response, at least all the ones that I was connected to, Mm-hmm. was just from a, just from being heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And I think from that heartbrokenness, there was this desire to go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. But honestly, at least for myself, I'll say, sort of feeling like I don't know how to pray for a situation and a region that is so complex. Yeah. What was your reaction when you began to see this? Because I know you obviously are, this is a place that is, this is still your ministry field, even if you're yes. stateside. Yeah. Um, but can you walk people through what, you know, the current situation is factually, because I think sometimes it's even just hard to figure it out and how you began to respond initially with the Lord. Yeah. So it was a, it was a shock. I mean, it was saddening. It was grieving. It was heart wrenching because, you know, Ross, I love Afghanistan. I've had Muslims save my life before, and we've Mm -hmm. seen Muslims become followers of Christ, but knowing the dynamic of the Taliban, they are strict conservative Sunni Muslims that want to implement Sharia law. And we know that's going to be oppressive for anyone who doesn't follow their strict view of Sharia law, i.e. anyone who might be a follower of Jesus or who might Mm. be interested in, you know, in seeking things or maybe have worked for the government or worked for other organizations that many of us uh, represent. So instantly there's this heart-riching pain knowing what they might uh, face in the you know, in the, in the coming days. And yet there's the bigger narrative that we know when God's kingdom does advance, it's kind of like in Acts chapter eight, it says the persecution broke out against the church. Some stayed and some scattered. And so back to your question, then we began praying and processing with our local brothers and our local ministry partners and the international community that we're connected with in Afghanistan in terms of what is God saying to you? How is God leading you? What do you sense from the Lord? Is it that you believe he's saying stay Mm. or go? Because that's kind of how the things work out in this. So we've been helping people that really believe they're supposed to flee and leave uh, or go or scatter. And that's kind of what we find again in the the book of Acts and throughout uh, the history of God's move throughout uh, building his kingdom. And yet our heart is also for those specifically who are called to stay, how can we partner with them? How can we pray with them? How can we encourage them? How can we help them be salt and light and, and, and be effective in the ministries that they're called to be involved in, even though now they are literally like sheep among wolves. And we remind listeners Mm. that might know in Luke chapter 10, we're praying for the Lord of the harvest always to send forth laborers. But then Jesus says, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves and listeners that might want to learn a little bit more you can Google, actually, you just type in your, your phone, sheep among wolves, and a video clip will come up that kind of illustrates what we're, what we're, what we're, what we're talking about in that, uh, in, in that regard. Yeah. Well, what is so clear to me is what is required here is relationship. Yeah. And you may not have anyone that is living in that region of the world. You may not necessarily know someone who is connected to that community. But I assure you, dear listener, that this is something that your kids are aware of, or their friends are aware of, or your neighbor is directly impacted by. 
And I want to bring that conversation down to that kid level because you're a dad, I'm a dad. And obviously we've lived very different stories, but I'm thinking about how to begin to unpack this for my kids, Mm -hmm. because it's obviously a very broad topic. You know, how do you talk to kids about scary things? There's books and books and books written about that. But this is, is such a specific set of circumstances. Can you begin to walk folks through how you unpack this with your own kids knowing, you know, they obviously know your heart for this area of the world, but how you balance that tension with a sort of appropriate kid level. Yeah. So our story is unique, Ross, that my wife and I met in Afghanistan. We got married there in 2005. Yeah. And we had four kids while we were there. So that's another book uh, called Najiba. We can do another podcast if we need to in the future. So absolutely. Uh, We got married. I saw that and didn't connect those dots. No worries, brother. So in 2005, my wife and I had a public Christ-centered wedding where packaged Mm. in a wedding, culturally appropriate ways in the local language, we shared our faith very openly about God's love story packaged in our love story or our love story packaged in God's love story. So back to your question, we had four children while we were there. So my four older children, mostly who spent their early years over in that part of the world, They know people in that part of the world. They've lived in that part of the world. And so my point is processing as our family would be different than other families, but there's still some commonality. So the commonality would be, as you mentioned earlier, I just want to echo it now that I've mentioned that I'm married and have five kids. You know, uh, I want to be my wife's greatest champion because she is investing in the next generation of resilient discipleships. And so to every mom who's listening Yes, changing diapers and doing crayons and loving your children and praying over them and leading them in the ways of the Lord to be resilient disciples. That might be some of the greatest kingdom impact anyone could be involved in. Now, back to your specific question with the, what's happening in Afghanistan. Well, for our kids, we're, we're processing in the sense of here's what we know God's word says about situations like this, that mm. persecution is part of being a follower of Jesus Suffering is part of living in a fallen world where all of creation's groaning and with the earthquakes, you know, I'm saying there's just an earthquake recently in the region and, you know, the hurricane down in New Orleans and in the fighting and the civil war and the conflict that happens that we're seeing on TV in Afghanistan, the desperation of people. It's like all creation is groaning for the return of our Lord. So part of it is reminding our children that though we want to make the most of being here on planet earth this is not our home we're passing Mm. through we're salt and we're light we're praying our citizenship is in heaven and yes sadly because of sin because of the fall because of our real enemy who is the devil who steals kills and destroys we have friends now yeah that are that are suffering great opposition and persecution and um so um so we pray and and we cry and we process. And of course, it's probably just being raw with you, Ross. It's probably only um, my two older sons that really get the anguish of my soul because they're sure. a little bit older um, and, and not fully. They don't even fully do it. I mean, they know I'm up all at night. Of course, I'm at I'm with my mother right now. Uh, mm-hmm. My elderly I'm in, and just serving her this week. But my, my kids get a little bit of the fact that that, that their father's life has been all about Afghanistan and the call there and the, 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 the heart there to see the gospel spread throughout all of that 
you know, that region of the world. But I mean, they're crying as well and they're broken as yeah. well and they're writing pictures as well. And they're, yeah. So, uh, um, I think the challenge for us, Ross, in the American culture, just being very real with you, is that we have such a democratic society. We live in a free republic, a free society. Therefore, we're not really conditioned to know what to do when there is persecution or suffering because it's not part of our shared it's not part of our shared experience. But we've got to speak into it. We've got to we've got to, you know, share it and, and, and let people see that that our experience is not necessarily the experience of our brothers and sisters around the world, especially now in line of what we see uh, in Afghanistan, the danger that they're facing because of a strict Islamic uh, regime right now. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I just so appreciate your passion. And, but what stands out to me about that, you know, first of all, if you're, if, you know, yes, that you, your family's existence is sort of the opposite of what my original question was, because you are quite literally from there. But the point that I would make to a listener then is there is a John Weaver in your community. Mm. There is a John Weaver in your school. There is someone who is connected to this part of the world who you can come alongside if you, if the barrier of entry for you into this conversation is, I don't know anybody over there. I would greatly challenge that notion because I don't think there's any circumstance in history where God goes, yeah, church lean the other way. Like, I think he is constantly encouraging us to lean in, especially to hard conversations like this. But secondarily, what stands out to me is (laughs) the cheapest title I could give you is you are a subject matter expert of this area of the world. And yet you were just very kind, candid and very honest. And I so appreciate that about how sometimes you don't quite even know what to say yourself, Mm -hmm. but what you're doing is you're walking your kids through that with scripture. You are revealing the parts of your heart in age appropriate ways so that your kids can walk through that with you. And you are ultimately relying on the father to do the work. And every person who's listening to that can do that. Every person who's listening to this can open up their Bible and ask God for help in that conversation with their kid, because we so graciously don't have to have all the answers. That's right. I don't have to know how to walk my daughter through scary things like that because God knows and God knows what she needs for today and what she'll need for tomorrow and the next. And I just, it's actually incredibly, the humility you just displayed is incredibly encouraging. I think for folks, because it's almost the sense of if John doesn't have it figured out, then I guess I don't have to either. Hmm. Um, so thank you sincerely for being willing to go there. The other question I wanted to sort of focus on is, you know, we talked about how, um, this, this current moment with, you know, the, the swiftness of a Taliban takeover has upended this region and it's upended some of the relationships there. I am the last thing I would ever want you to do is, uh, overshare you know, and I hope everyone understands the sensitivities to this conversation, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, how are people able to help? You know, we're going to circle back to prayer. We're going to end this conversation in prayer because otherwise, what are we doing? But there are other ways for people who are listening, who are moved by your testimony, moved by your story that they can engage in this work directly. What's the best way to do that? Amen. Well, well, Ross, I know we're going to repeat it, but let's start with the prayer. The prayer is the first and foremost thing. Our our response is the people of God should always be prayer, worship, seeking, going first to God. So 
we remind people of this. The, our, our, our law is we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we love others like ourselves. So imagine you were in their shoes. How would you want people to pray for you? And of course, you would want people to pray for you. So we remind people the first response is to pray for them as if you were with them because we're the body of Christ. We're, we're connected together. And don't miss this moment. God has brought Afghanistan again to the top of the world scene, top of the prayer chain. He must have something on his heart for that people uh, there. So the first thing is the prayer. Now, and I interrupt our, you briefly, just really yeah, quickly, just yeah. on that prayer. What stands out to me about how you describe that is that answers the question of pray without ceasing. Amen. I think sometimes people go, Beautiful. well, how do I pray? You know, when it's not top of the news and if you are embodying love that neighbor as yourself, you'll, you'll ask for prayer every day. Amen. So I just would, again, encourage folks to not, I think there's so many ways in which American culture or yeah. whatever sort of label you want to put it allows you to put this sort of conversation out of sight, out of mind. Yes. And yes. instead lean into this conversation because it's so critical. Forgive me. I interrupted yeah. you, but you were talking about prayer. That's beautiful. So pray the Psalms, pray your favorite Psalm, pray Psalm 23, pray the Lord's prayer for them, pray Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God, pray Psalms 91, pray the promises of God for them. Now, the next thing would be, since of our audience here, listeners in, here in the West, you know, if you're involved in advocacy type of thing, I'm not a political person. I'll just be, I'm not a political person, but if that's part of how God has led you before, then use your voice to advocate for the situation that our Afghan brothers and sisters are in. It's a dangerous situation for the country right now. So be a voice of advocacy if you can. The other thing practically, because just to speak into this, I know it's controversial, but the plight of refugees, there are already, I've already seen the pictures, uh, there are already Afghans who have arrived in the United States. I'm not saying they've arrived at your front door yet, but the point is there are Afghans that have already been scattered. So the, the one thing to speak into is God loves Muslims. Let's respond in love here. God loves refugees. Let's respond in love here and see a kingdom opportunity to reach out to refugees that might be coming to our doorstep as God scatters the nations. I mean, we have to realize scripture says that, that, that you know, it says that God has appointed the times and the seasons and even the scatterings of people that they would seek after him because he's not far from any of us. In him, we live and move and have our being. So see this from a godly biblical uh, type of perspective and yeah. uh and then practically since we as an um, the, the the church primarily here in the states is since that's most of our audience we we, we respond compassionately and we want to give mm -hmm. and there are some great commission organizations i don't know how much i can mention here on this uh, this podcast uh but it, it, maybe we can include a link or maybe you mm -hmm. can include a, a contact where they could write because there are some Great Commission organizations, meaning some compassion-based, Christ-centered organizations that are responding and assistance is getting into the country to help our brothers and sisters, also helping those that have scattered, that have fled to neighboring countries or who might even end up in, you know, more of a, an, a, a more diaspora refugee type of context. There yeah. are ways that brothers and sisters can give and be involved in serving uh, in those, those practical ways, Ross. Yeah. So I will encourage folks to check the show notes. I will follow up with you about the most appropriate way to do that. And I yes. appreciate uh, our listeners maturity in navigating that conversation. 
Yes. Um, the last thing is the first thing. I would love uh, to wrap up this conversation uh, with you in prayer. I thank you so much for your ministry, for your time. And just again, to highlight everything that you just walked people through on how to respond, you can do within the context of your children. You can do within the context of your Awana group. You know, take the time to listen to where your kids are at with something like this, because odds are whether they are first generation, second generation, or whether they're not, they're just here. There's, there's families in your community that are being directly impacted by what's happening on the ground in there. And I would hope that for everyone listening, the response is the great commission and it doesn't have to be, uh, politicized Mm -hmm. the response. If you were to lead in that way, um, your kids are going to take notice. So John, if you wouldn't mind closing us in prayer, I greatly appreciate it, but thank you so much, sir, for uh, your time and all that you do every day. Thank you, Ross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you most of all. You're almighty God, but thank you most of all. We can call you our Father. You're our Heavenly Father. You're the God of families. In the beginning, you created the first family, and you've promised to bless all the families of the earth. And so, Father, we thank you that we're your children, and you are a loving, good, compassionate Father. Yes, you're almighty, and you're the God of justice and power. There's no one like you. You're the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we want to bring our brothers and sisters, the family of God, to your throne of grace right now. Our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, we lift them up that your grace and mercy in their time of need right now. Let them know that goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Let them know that you are the good shepherd. May they hear your voice, walk this way and go this way. May you allow them, Lord, to lie down in green pastures. May you prepare a table before them, even in the presence of their enemy. May they know your comfort and your peace and your presence, Father. We lift them up to you. We pray for wisdom for fathers and mothers and their children whole households of believers, Lord, to be guarded and shielded in your love and in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and be led by your spirit in these days. Father, we do pray that this would extend salvation even to the Taliban, to other families, to other tribal groups throughout the land of Afghanistan, the people that you love so much, the people that Christ died for, that we would say worthy is the lamb who redeems his bride from every tribe, nation, kindred and tongue. Let that happen throughout Afghanistan. Father, be with the families that are scattered now. They're in refugee camps or they're stuck at a border and they're wondering how their needs are going to be met. Reach out to them in your love. We know you enter into human suffering. And God, we pray, would you enter in, in your spirit and in the expression of your people. Mobilize your church right now to reach out in every refugee context. Father, thank you for the ministry of Awana. We prayed for continued, Lord, faithfulness and fruitfulness on the ministry of Awana as they affect multiple generations, raising up resilient disciples. And God, we thank you for the partnership we share. And we pray that you would continue to grip our hearts for the needs of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and for the spreading of the gospel there and you making your name great there and among Muslims all over the world for ultimately all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, Father, it belongs to you. And we pray in agreement in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. 
Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.